0: James chapter number 4. James chapter 4. We started the book of James chapter 4 last week. We've been studying here. I told you we'll probably take a couple weeks to go through the, uh, the fourth chapter of James. Chapter 3 we did in one week. Chapter 4, there's so much really packed in there. And um, so we're going to go through a few more verses here this evening. And and um, so I'm not sure. There'll be a few more weeks of our study here in James, and we'll start another book uh, verse by verse through as well. In verse number 1, I'm going to begin reading again in verse 1, and we'll read down through um, verse 7 or so. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? He's asking another question. And through this chapter you'll find several times he's asking us a question. He's asking us this to get a response, to think about this. So this requires us to think about the question and then give an answer. He says, don't you, don't you know that friendship of the world is enemy or, uh, enmity or at, at odds, an enemy with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? Again, he's asking a question. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. In verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Father in heaven, would you help us this evening as we just understand what you want us to hear from this portion of scripture? So Lord, I pray that our hearts would be opened and if there's sin in our lives, I pray that we confess it. Lord, if there's anything that would keep us from hearing from you, tonight I pray your Holy Spirit would convict us. I pray that we would be sensitive to his leading. And Lord, maybe for others, they just need to put a caution in their life. Maybe there's an area where they're just apathetic. And Lord, I pray that you revive us this evening. Help us to be the Christian that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. The first several verses, first three verses or so, we saw last week that in this chapter, it introduces us to the fact that there are problems. Every one of us, we're going to have problems in life. The reason why every one of us are going to have problems is because every one of us are sinners. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing the moment we got saved, I mean, that was it, we actually lived the perfect life? But there's an old man that still lives inside of us. And because that old man lives inside of us, every so often, he wants to get his way. Has that happened to anyone? Has that happened to anyone here this week where the old man tried to get his way? Or the old woman. It doesn't have to just be a man. If you're a lady, there's not a man living inside there. It's, there's an old lady living inside. <laughs> living inside, wanting to do what old ladies and old men love to do. That's sin. We love the sin. And here James is telling us all through, all, leading into this fourth chapter here, that, that um, uh, the reason why, coming up to chapter 4, the reason why there's wars, the reason why there's fighting is because there's sin in our life. We like what we like. Our Our flesh lust and envy and we find that there's problems because of our lust because of the things we envy it causes problems it causes problems in our relationships it causes problems in our homes it causes problems in our churches in our lives there are problems we need to look we saw last week we need to look within when we have problems in our life the best thing to do the first thing that we ought to do is we ought to look at ourselves is it me is it my sin? Is it my lust? Is, is this war? Is this fighting? Is this situation I'm in, is it caused because of what my flesh wants? And James says we ought to look within. We saw that last week. We need to be yielded to the Spirit of God. We need to understand this. God desires for His children to behave like Christians. We're not to behave like the world. And when we do behave like the world, we're not to make excuses why. Do you ever make an excuse for why you acted a certain way? Well, if you didn't do this, then I wouldn't have done that. If you didn't do this, then I wouldn't have responded this way. I was driving on 75 to uh, uh, meet someone in Bowling Green on Monday. Have you ever lately driven on 75 around the Perrysburg, that whole area you could lose your testimony really easy really easy right there i mean it's bad i almost did on monday almost you know it's so easy to blame somebody else i lose my testimony and if you wouldn't have done this i never would have lost my testimony the reality is this you lost your testimony because of your sin you chose do what you desired to do at that time. You did whatever your flesh wanted to do. You responded the way your flesh wanted to respond. And James is going to in chapter 4. This is a rough chapter. Chapter 3 was, was rough. Chapter 4 comes into, and he really steps on our toes. He says this, it's your fault. It's your lust. It's your envy. It's, it's so bad that we even try to pray to the Lord with the wrong spirit and with the wrong desires he's telling us you can't you can't have it both ways and so James addresses we find in verse number four I'm going to pick up in verse four he says ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God and James addresses specifically adultery here in chapter number four I want you to see first of all this, the sin of adultery, we're going to look at here, it's committed because of lust or envy. You say, she doesn't or he doesn't. No, lust is what caused adultery. A desire that my flesh had that I gave into my flesh. And James is specifically saying here, the adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is an enemy with God? The physical attraction, the physical lust, and and you know, maybe that is not something specifically that you struggle with. Put your sin there. Whatever it is that your flesh says, I must have. And James is saying, get a hold of this here. Your sin, you sin because your flesh wants to. And we need to see this. When we do, when we behave like the world, when we act like the world, what we're doing is we are acting in a way where we're an enemy with God. We're at odds with God when we behave like the world. And that's... Jesus said this, um, that if you look at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And that's your desire, that desire that you have, that lust, that envy. You see, at times we desire what isn't ours, and that is called envy. What is it this evening in your life that you desire, that you want, that you have to have? That's lust, that's envy. You see when we when we begin to want other things in our life what we're saying is that what God has given us isn't sufficient. We're saying what God did give us isn't enough. We're not to look at what God has blessed somebody else with and get upset and lust and say, I wish I had that, or I wish God would have given me this. God didn't give us this, and therefore we don't need that. God may have blessed someone else with something that we desire, but we're not to look at what somebody else has and desire it and lust after it and want that. Whenever our flesh begins to want something that is not ours, that is lust, that is envy, and it puts us at odds with God. Now think about it, that word enemy, that's a harsh word, isn't it? I mean, if you were to say that you have an enemy, that's a harsh word. Enemy with somebody that you would want to destroy, somebody that you'd want to stop, somebody that you're resisting. But when we behave in our flesh, that's exactly the relationship now we begin to have with God. We're at odds with Him. And so James is speaking specifically of sin here, this sin of adultery, this sin of lust, this sin of envy. You see, many many sins as adultery, it's, a man, it's manifested out of the spirit of envy. Most of the time, the reason why we fall into sin it's because we're lusting or we're envying or our flesh is wanting something that we're not supposed to have. And so we are not content with what God's given us. I would ask you this question as James is asking many questions through this chapter. I would ask you this question, are you content with what God has given you or do you want more? Are you content with God's blessings? Are you content with who God gave you? Are you content with what God's given you or your is your flesh wanting more? When we yield to our flesh and give into to our flesh, and we then take more, that is going to lead to sin. And so James James is talking here again, specifically of of of, of adultery. But that spirit of lust—it's when we want what others have, when we want what we can't get, when we ha- when 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 um, we do finally get what we think we want, it's never enough. If it's lust. Do you know lust never satisfies? Envy never fulfills. Lust and envy only causes a person to seek more lust and envy. You know, you'll never be satisfied. You look at someone else and want what they have. If you were to get what they had, that's not enough. You'd look at somebody else that has more. And that's why it's important for us, no matter what we have, no matter what state we're in, we're to find ourselves to be content. Whatever God has given us, we are to be content. But that old man fights that and desires something that we can't have. In verse number 4 then, he talks about this being an enemy with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Or whoever seeks to live like the world. There should be a stark difference between godliness and worldliness. I mean, the opposite. Someone that is a child of God, that's living right with God, should not desire worldly things. Right here, the Bible says, the world is at odds with God. It's an enemy with God. Therefore, we ought not want what the enemy has to offer. And so, the question that I would ask you this, number two, is this a question, where does our loyalty lie? Does our loyalty lie with the world or does our loyalty lie with God? And I think that's a question as we study through the book of James, every, every Christian ought to ask, where does your loyalty lie? You say, I'm not sure. Ask yourself this, what satisfies you? Worldly things or godliness? Where does your loyalty lie? Does it lie with sinful things? With the desires of our flesh? Do do I constantly have to have the things that my flesh wants? Am I constantly battling that? Am I always wanting more? Does my flesh control what I want in this life? If so, then your loyalty is with the world, not with God. Is your desires what the world offers? The choices that you make in life, are they fulfilling your lust? Or are are you submitting your life to the Lord? And, and, And follow me with this. The choices that you make today, every one of us made choices. From the time that we got up this morning, every one of us, you made a choice. You made a choice to be here. You made a choice to go to work. You made a choice. Whatever you did today, you made a choice. Were your choices that you made today Fulfilling your lust? Fulfilling your envy? Or were they submitting to the Lord? And ask yourself this question. You say, I'm not sh- quite sure. You ask yourself this question. My decisions. Will my decisions, the decisions I've made today, the choices that I've made today, will they and did they exalt Christ? Was Christ exalted in every decision that I made today? Did someone see Jesus Christ in me? See, as, as a child of God, we're ambassadors for Christ. We are supposed to go out and represent what? Jesus Christ. An ambassador represents a, 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 a another country. They're, they're not in their country. They're in another country, and they're representing their home country. And, and that's how we as Christians are supposed to be. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're not to live in this world. We, we're not to live of this world. We have to be here until we go to glory. But while we're here, we're supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. We're supposed to be showing others what it's what heaven's like. We're supposed to be showing others who are who the one in charge of our life desires. We and our decisions ought to exalt Jesus Christ. And so you ask yourself this question: Am I exalting my flesh? Is my flesh getting what my flesh desires? Or in the decisions I've made today, is Jesus Christ exalted? My decisions that you make today, how do I know which one I'm making? Do your decisions show the power of Christ in your life? You know, there's so many Christians that they just continue to live in sin and they make excuses for that sin. And they continue to live. You know, we have power to overcome sin. We don't have to continue to live that sin-filled life. We have power through Jesus Christ. We can live a victorious Christian life. Here, here James is saying in chapter 4, are you an enemy of God? Do you desire the things of this world or do you desire godly things? How do I know if I'm desiring godly things? The decisions you're making, those decisions, does it show the power of Christ in your life? So when someone sees you, they ought to see Christ working the decisions you make, when when hard times come, when difficulties come, when, when, when situations come and trials come into our life, we should live in such a way where the power of Christ is seen in us. Others ought to see that how we handle difficulty, how we handle trials, it's different than someone that's lost. Someone that's lost can't handle things in the power of Christ. Only those that have Christ can. And therefore, we ought not live the way we lived before Christ. You know, one of the the greatest thing about being saved is this, that we have a home in heaven. We're redeemed back to God. For all of eternity, we will be with Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But there's more while we're here. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, it isn't, well, I live my life now any way I want to live. I live my life under the bondage of sin. Uh, I live my life the way I lived before I trusted Christ. But one day I'm going to get to heaven and one day everything's going to be okay. You're right. One day you will get to heaven. One day you will be perfect. One day we will have a new body. But until then, we do have the power of Christ. We can live a victorious Christian life if we live that life through Christ. So the decisions that are being made today, are we showing others the power of Christ in their life, or are we living in the world? And if so, we're an enemy with God. Ask yourself this question, my decisions that I made today, did they deny what my flesh wants? Do, they, do, you, do your decisions deny what your flesh desires? How many of you would say this? You don't have to say what that fleshly thing is. How many of you, your flesh tells you often what it likes? Huh? Mine does. Mine did today. And I had to make the decision that I was not going to give into my flesh say, am I at odds with God? Am I an enemy with God? Am I giving in to the things of the world? Or am I walking a Spirit-filled life? Do you give in your decisions? Do you, your decisions deny your flesh? You see, if you're going to live the victorious Christian life, it is going to be a daily thing to deny your flesh. It is not just a one time. You know what? That happened 20 years ago. I denied my flesh. I denied my lust. And I have lived a great life for the last 20 years. The reality is this. You're going to have to die daily. Your flesh is going to want to live every single day that you're here upon this earth. And we must deny our flesh of that sin. My decisions. Ask yourself this question. The decision I'm making, will my decision further the gospel? You know what? I'm afraid we live this life as Christians and we're not furthering the gospel. My life every day ought to be lived so the gospel of Jesus Christ is furthered. So someone else hears, somebody else knows, somebody else uh, uh, meets Christ. My decisions that I made, you see, when you make the decisions in your flesh, you are not making the decision to share the gospel, you're making the decision to sin. And you're not gonna make those decisions to appease your flesh and at the same time make the decision so Christ is seen and Christ is given to others. You see, the only way for us to live where the gospel is furthered in our life is for us to deny ourselves what we want. Do you ever did the Holy Spirit ever tell you to to witness to somebody and your flesh says no? That's happened. It's happened to me often. Matter of fact, I told the story Sunday morning, there was a church member after the first service that said, "You know, I wanted to walked into a restaurant. And there were three waitresses there, and and wanted to give them the 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 a Bible that we, we had, and and uh, I already convinced myself they didn't want it. You know what that is? That's your flesh trying to win." That's your flesh saying, you know what? It doesn't feel good. Rejection might come, or disappointment might come, or they're going to deny what you're trying to offer them, and that puts us in our flesh in a place where we don't want that. But when you deny your flesh of of those things, and you react and allow the Holy Spirit to work, what happens? The Gospel of Jesus Christ is given. See, by denying your flesh, it will give you boldness to share the Gospel. so ask yourself my decisions are they furthering the gospel my decisions will they create unity not fighting you know in the world it's all about I, I have to this evening I turn the news on anybody watch the news today it's just worse from yesterday now it's I'm not as bad as you are. That makes it okay. Do we understand? That's the world. It's flesh. It's it's just rampant in society. It causes fightings. It causes problems. Christian, we are not to be wrapped up into all those things. We ought to be living a life of peace. We ought to be living a life where Christ is is, is reigning. We ought to be living a life of unity. In, in one of the decision-making as we are living our life, the decisions we made, is it creating unity? The decisions you're making in your home, is it creating unity? Is it creating a Christ-like spirit? Is it creating peace? Or is it creating fighting in, 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 in wars within your home? And James is challenging us here not to behave like the world. You know what the sad thing is? When he's writing here in verse number four, who's he writing to? He didn't switch from writing to the brethren to start writing to the lost. He's writing to the brethren. You know what he has to say to the brethren? Those of you that are involved in adultery. He's saying those of you that are saved, those of you that are brethren, those of you that each chapter that I've started here in James, I've written to the brethren, the brethren, the brethren, and now I'm coming and I am identifying sinful things in your life that ought not be there. You know, the Christian home should look different than the worldly home. There should be something different. We have one of those lights in the front uh, and, and you could turn it on and, and, and you know it's on a sensor so at night it goes on and it goes off in the daytime and when we were buying our house the, we met the owners and the owner said to me you know I like to use that light it just seems like people in our neighborhood they don't leave their lights on at night and I wanted to say well we're cheap we're not going to leave our lights on at night either <laughs> but you know what I noticed it's dark it's dark when we're driving down a street there's no lights there's no street lights and everyone's house lights are off does your life stand out you know I went and I put new bulbs in and and the you know LED bulbs in so I could leave it on and be cheap So we'll leave our light on, the porch and that light we have out there. We'll we'll leave those on. You know why I want to leave them on? Because I like light. But you know what reminded me here? If we're not careful, our lives will look just like the world, a dark world. There's no light. In someone that comes by our life, it looks just like the lost. You know what, As James is driving by in chapter number four, verse four here, you know what he's saying? Those of you that are involved in sin, those of you that are involved in adultery, those of you that are making decisions in your life that are appeasing your flesh, you're giving in to your envy, you're giving in to your lust, you look just like the world. And there's no light. And when the world drives by our life, they ought to see light. It shouldn't look like their life. It shouldn't look, when you've got light, it shouldn't look like the dark neighbor's house. It shouldn't look like the dark marriage, uh, the, the neighbor's marriage. It shouldn't look, their home, their lives should not look like the Christian life looks. Do my decisions create unity or do they create fightings? You see, the decisions you make in life, it'll show who you're loyal to. When you're making your decisions, it shows who you're loyal to. The decisions you've made today, you could say, this is where James has said, you you praise the Lord, you pray, and you tell the Lord how wonderful He is and you give praises to Him, but you turn around here and you talk about a brother or you you, you mistreat a brother or or you, you, you hurt a brother. It ought not be. He says stop that. And in chapter 4, he's saying the same thing. Who are you loyal to? You say, I'm loyal to Christ, but your life reflects a dark life. You say, I love the Lord, but you live a sin-filled life. You say, Lord, I love You. I will sing, I love You, Lord, and I lift my voice, but the decisions I made today don't show that I love the Lord. The decisions I made today shows I love me. I love my flesh. And when I make decisions that show that I love me and I love my flesh, it puts me at odds with God. You see, many Christians are fooling themselves. And James is getting us to the place where we are looking. And thirdly, I want you to see this in chapter number 5. Do ye think that the, uh, do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain? He's asking this question again. The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? He says, do you think the spirit, the, the scriptures just saying that in vain? It's true. You envy. You lust. The truth about who we are. Thirdly, what verse 5 shows us, it shows us the truth. Our spirit, it lusts and it envies. Every single person here, there is something that you can't control and it's called your lust. And this is where all of us need to come to because many a times we want to look at somebody else or blame somebody else or compare ourselves to somebody else as long as I'm not that bad. And we'll never admit it, but in our life, we are. James is getting us to see this. Look in the mirror. It's you. It's you that is causing the fightings. It's you that's causing the wars. Your lust is great. Your spirit, it, dwell, it, it, it lusts at the envy. It desires to continue to feed itself. You know what he's saying? The Scripture is right. Do you think the Scripture is wrong? He's telling us not to be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Never get, Christian, to the place where you think you can't sin. Never think you get to the place, Christian, that you'll never do what you think you'll never do. Don't get conceited as a Christian because that's pride. Pride. You know what? Every single person here, man or woman, you can fall into sin. In the moment that you think you can't, you're in big trouble. Never get to the place, Christian, that you think that some sin is above you. No, I can never, I can never do that. The, the things that you think and say you could never do, your flesh can do. You know, we'll look at somebody else and say, boy, I can't believe that they could do that. You could do the same thing. Don't look at somebody else and say how wicked that person is. What James is saying, look inside. Your spirit, your flesh desires the same thing. And the only way for you not to fall is not because you're stronger. The only way for you not to fall is the power of God in your life. The truth. Don't fool ourselves. You see, pride says, not me, I'd never. I heard this statistic just recently. I couldn't even believe it, but they said that 20% of pastors that start off in ministry actually finish as a pastor in ministry. I thought that was a startling fact. Now, not all of them lead because of sin. Some of them get burned out. Some of them, you know, maybe, maybe uh, other issues come. But then they say that 50% of those that don't finish, don't finish because of sin. I read this same statistic about pastors. 40 or, 40 or 45% of pastors that get up and preach every week Don't even open the Bible and study. Could you believe that number? How many of you believe that number? Yeah. They fake it. And I'm not saying, you know, a pastor is going to be any more spiritual. I'm just saying here's somebody who's given their life to preaching the gospel. There's not a person in this room that can say, you know what? I've got this thing down. I'm good. The Christian life it's easy. Walking with God, I've got this down. Every single Christian here, if you're a child of God, if you've professed Christ, you need to understand what James is getting us to understand here is you're capable of anything. Don't fool yourself. The day you get to the place where you think that you're okay, that's your pride saying, you know what, I've got this figured out, you be careful, that's the day you're going to fall. Do you know how many men in this room are, are capable of adultery? I know you wives don't want to hear this, but the reality is every single man Ladies, you know how many of you ladies are capable of committing adultery, being uh, committing adultery, being adulterous? Every single person. You know how many people in this room are are able to give into the lust of their flesh in sin? Every single person in this room. If you say not me, it's pride. It's pride. James is getting us to understand pride. Every one of us. Everyone. Your flesh wants to be pleased. You know why when you get into a disagreement you have to win? Because your flesh has to be pleased. Do you know why when you get into a disagreement and you say things you say you don't mean afterwards? Because your flesh has has to be pleased. Every one of us. Your flesh wants to be fulfilled. You see, and for us, we want to say, I'm doing this because somebody else. I'll go so far to even blame someone else for why I behave the way I behave. And James says, no, no. No. You did this because your flesh desired it and you said okay. You're living like the world. I need to be finished here. Verse number six, the Bible says this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Aren't you so glad? That James just doesn't beat us, up, beat us 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 up, and then leave us there? You know what he says? God gives more grace. There is more grace available than you'll ever need. Your grace that God, God can give you grace, but He giveth more grace. God gives more grace than the lust has power. You know, that means when when lust comes and envy comes and I, I can't resist, God gives more grace than the power of my lust that means this i can overcome every single wicked thought i can overcome every single evil desire i can overcome every sinful thought i can overcome that because god giveth more grace you see all through the book of james leading up to this point what he's saying is you know what you're worthless you're nothing boy you know you get to a place where you say this i can't live my tongue is too sharp and, and my spirit is wrong and i'm an enemy with god and and i can't make good decisions How 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 can i be a christian and james pulls it all together right here and he says this you can be victorious you can live the life that you're supposed to live you don't have to fall to your lust into your envy you don't have to say things and always be apologizing for what you're saying you don't have to blame someone else for your sin the moment that you get saved you have more grace available to you than you'll ever need god gives more grace You know, Christian, we need to accept God's grace He offers. But we've got to accept it His way. Look with me, He says this, but He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but but giveth grace unto the humble. You know how we receive that grace through a spirit of humility. Do you ever ever hear that song, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer? That's where we have to come to. Most of it, it's, it's them. It's them. It's them, oh Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm the way I am because of this. I am the way I am because of that. I'm the way I am. Be- and God says, no, no, no. You are the way you are because of your sin. But you don't have to stay right there. You can overcome it. You don't have to live in your sin. There is victory. You don't have to continue to live every day feeding your lust. Every day feeding your envy. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to live a life of guilt. You can overcome it because God gives more grace than you ever need you know what that means I can continue to come back and receive grace God doesn't run out every one of us sin and when we do God's grace is greater every one of us fail. But we don't have to stay in that failed state. We don't have to stay in that sinful state. God can forgive and God will forgive. And you know what? I can fail, but then I can then say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't want to live in this state of lust. I don't want to live in this state of envy. I want to live a victorious life. And God says, here's grace. That ought to cause you to say amen or something this evening. Well, we don't have to live a defeated life. We don't have to live a life of guilt. You know, in other religions, when you do wrong, you have to like pay for that. Jesus already did. When, in other religions, when you do wrong, you've got you've to like do things to, 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 to hopefully like make up for it. Jesus already did. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient to help me to overcome my lust. God's grace is sufficient to help me overcome this envy. My sin is forgiven because of the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful to know? James just beats us up and beats us up and beats us up and gets us to the place. And why is he doing that? Because he's getting us to the place where we can approach God humble, without excuses. When we come to the presence of God and we're not making excuses for why I did what I did. I'm not making excuses for why I am who I am. I'm not making excuses to continue. I'm at a place where I just say, God, I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't live this way. I need Your grace. See, God desires every one of us that are saved not to live a life of lust and envy, but to live a life of grace and forgiveness. The solution to my envy is God's grace. Second Corinthians 12.9 says this, My grace is sufficient for thee. You know what he's saying? When there's fighting, when there's war, when there's problems, you're lost. And every one of us better understand that we're no better than anyone else, but by the grace of God, we would be doing what we said we'd never do. But when you do, accept God's grace. Aren't you glad that God is forgiving God? Our lives ought to show the grace of God. Others ought to see, not because you are somebody, but I am who I am because He is somebody and His grace is sufficient. But He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You say, I need God's grace. Then approach Him with a humble spirit. Approach him with such a way, with a spirit of humility. God, I can't fix this, but your grace can. God, I can't live what you desire for me to live, but your grace, it can.